That's fabulous. Well, I feel really excited because I don't often have this privilege of uh, speaking at streams. And I've chosen a subject looking in the mirror. Uh, the reason I've chosen this subject is through the years as we uh, pray for our guests, and our guests do come from far and wide, um, we often hear as a prayer team how a guest may see themselves, but it actually might not be how Father God sees them. And it's something I've been thinking about, praying about for some time, and I think this is quite an important subject for us ladies. So to start off with, before I really get into my talk, I'd like us to declare together uh, God's word. And Psalm 139 probably is one of my favorites. And it really is um, a psalm which speaks about God's intimate knowledge of us, how he knows everything. And this will really be the kind of the basis, the foundation of what I'm going to be sharing with you tonight. So if you'd like with me to declare God's word over yourself and over other people. So Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You are familiar with all my ways. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is so wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the highest heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the other side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes darkness around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for the darkness is as light to you. For you created my innermost being you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were you to count them, 
they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I'm awake, you're still with me. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Don't you just want to go, wow, don't you? I mean, that's how God sees us, how incredible. And this psalm really does uh, tell us just how special uh, we are to God, that actually then we know ourselves, and we just can't get away from God. We really are his children. They are some very, very deep truths within this psalm. It's embedded in the psalm. And Father God just longs for us to know that in the very, very center of our inner being. I love that part of the psalm when it says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. But I wonder how we actually see ourselves. That's all very well to declare that. But if we were to look in a mirror, can we look in a mirror? And when we do, who do we see? You see, sometimes when we look in a mirror, we don't actually see ourselves in the way that Father God sees us or in the way that other people see us. Let's just look at this video clip which picks up on this, these points. I'm a forensic artist. Worked for the San Jose Police Department from 1995 to 2011. I showed up to a place I'd never been and there was a guy with a drafting board. We couldn't see them, they couldn't see us. Tell me about your hair. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. Tell me about your chin. It kind of protrudes a little bit, hmm. especially when I smile. Your jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw. What would be your most prominent feature? Kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. I would say I have a pretty big forehead. Once I get a sketch, I say thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see him. All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe. Today I'm going to ask you some questions about uh, a person you met earlier, and I'm going to ask you some general questions about their face. She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin, it was a nice, thin chin. She had nice eyes. They lit up when she spoke. Cute nose. She had blue eyes, very nice blue eyes. So here we are. This is the sketch that you helped me create. And that's a sketch that somebody described of you. So yeah, that's...
She looks closed off and fatter. Sadder, too. Mm -hmm. The second one looks more open, friendly, and happy. Mm -hmm. I should be more grateful of my natural beauty. It impacts the choices and the friends that we make, the jobs we apply for, how we treat our children. It impacts everything. It couldn't be more critical to your happiness. Do you think you're more beautiful than you say? Yeah. Yeah. We spend a lot of time as women analyzing and trying to fix the things that aren't quite right. And we should spend more time appreciating the things that we do like. Well, the message of that, and I think it's come across quite powerfully from this Dove uh, advert, is that we are more beautiful than we think. I wonder if that connected with you in any way, how you would describe yourself and perhaps how somebody else might describe yourself. You see, the very heart of Christianity is all about the fact that God totally forgives us. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. And we can come through Jesus to the Father. And we are totally and utterly and fully accepted by God. And we're deeply loved by him. And just as he loves us, he longs for each one of us to love ourselves because he takes great delight in us. But why is it then sometimes we feel as insignificant as a sparrow? And it's such a shame that sparrows have got kind of a poor review, really, because if you do have them in your garden, they are rather wonderful, the way they bob around, and they are quite cheeky chappies and everything. But often a sparrow is just described as small, often quite timid, and also insignificant. And sometimes we just describe a sparrow as to a penny, but God wants us to know this amazing truth. And this truth is spoken by Jesus Christ himself when he says, even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. That's how God sees us. We are really, really important to God. That's why Jesus told the story of the, the lost sheep, the farmer bothered to leave the 99 sheep to go and to rescue the one sheep. Each one of us is very, very special to God. So if we are special to God, what happens? Where do we get the wrong view of ourselves? Well, here's maybe some answers. Worthlessness and insignificance are really experienced by many of us. And I'm not going to ask you, but I guess probably out of the number of people here, there will be some of us that actually feel quite worthless. 
There will be some of us that don't know our significance to God and also to others. You see, we can pick up all sorts of messages when we're in our mother's womb. It may be that our mothers really, really wanted a boy. But when we were born, we're a girl. Now, our parents may have thought, wow, this is fantastic. So all their hopes on us being a boy just completely disappears once we're in their arms. But we may have picked up rejection in the womb. We may have picked up that we're worthless because we know we are female. It may be that um, our mothers got pregnant when they didn't want to. And maybe we picked up shame in the womb. And shame can then transfer into worthlessness and insignificance. It might be in our childhood that we were one of many family and we weren't particularly good at school whereas our brother our sister might be fabulous and we might hear why why can't you be like your sister why can't you be like your brother they always get such great reports what are you on come on and it may be that we feel we're just worthless and it may be that um like netball uh in the when people used to choose teams. Were you chosen for the netball team or the rounders team? Perhaps some of us were on the line thinking, please, please pick me. But again, we were left to the last. We can pick up all sorts of messages. Maybe we've picked up a message of being worthless um, from our parents. Maybe they were working very hard to support us and they never physically, verbally said that we're worthless, but maybe they didn't give us their time. And then somehow we've taken that, it's been translated into our lives that we're worthless. Maybe things happened to us when we were children, things that should never ever have happened and been done by an adult to a child. Again, we can pick up worthlessness, insignificance, It may be in the workplace, we just got involved in the wrong work and we just weren't very good at it. It may be that we've got involved in relationships and that person was not able to really love us and give us our worth. And that's been translated inside us. And it may be that we're living rather like this woman We're just a bag over our heads, hoping that people won't notice us, hoping that we'll just get through life. Want to be noticed. But each one of us, whether we think that or we know people who think that, each one of us is really, really special. What does Genesis say at the beginning? chapter 126 then God said let us make man and woman in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth we are made in God's image wow we Whatever we think about ourselves, we are made in God's image. Isn't that an incredible thought? Isn't that an incredible truth? We 
are made in God's image. But I wonder if each one of us can really revel and know that truth and live that truth out. A budgie in a cage. Steve Witt, who was our first ever listening to God speaker back in uh, the summer of 2002, I'd heard him speak in America and then decided to invite him over to do our first Listening to God conference. And uh, he was doing it on listening to God. He was looking at prophecy. Well, he's a great storyteller, and this is one of the stories he told. Now, he, he knows, he's very well connected, knows lots of people, and he knows John Arnott very well, John and Carol Arnott, who run the Toronto Airport Church. That's the place where the Toronto Blessing arrived all those years ago. And apparently, Steve went round to meet with John. They were going out. John wasn't quite ready, and so he was shown into the lounge, and uh, he was just looking around, nice lounge, nice lounge. And then he realized that in front of these huge picture windows, there was this low coffee table, and there was a birdcage, and this little budgie was sitting in the cage. And Steve is a great bird watcher, and he was thinking, oh, there's a budgie down there. But then he realized what the budgie was doing. And the budgie was on its perch, and it was looking through the window. And what the budgie could see were a load of red cardinal birds, beautiful birds like this. And uh, John Arnott just happens to have a lake in his garden. I know most of us have lakes, but John also has a lake in his garden. And these uh, birds were just kind of flying, dipping down, kind of splashing in the water. They were having a lovely time. And this little bird, John Arnott's bird in a cage, was sitting there looking, looking, and Steve looked at this bird and he thought, outrageous, how can you have a bird in a cage and you put it by the window and it can see all the birds having freedom? Outrageous. Well, he waited for John to come down. John walked through the door and that was it. John, this is dreadful. Look, this bird is in the cage. I can't believe it. Look, there's all those birds there. This poor little bird is trapped. You could at least allow him to fly out. John looked at him, let him rant, and then he went, shh, I need to tell you something. This little bird, Carol and I, we open its cage very, very often, Steve, and the bird looks at the open door, and it sits there on its perch. I look at Carol, she looks at me, and we say, who's going to go for it? So one of us puts our hands in, and we clutch this little bird and gently pull it out. And then we say, little bird, fly around our large lounge. And it goes, shh, straight in the cage. Steve, you've got to know, this bird doesn't want to fly. It's very happy sitting on its perch. It's very happy looking through the window at the red cardinals having a great time. This little bird is very, very happy in its cage. Wow. I wonder if we might be like that little bird 
that God has created us with freedom. We are totally loved by God. He has placed gifts in us. He wants us to do great kingdom things for him. But are we sitting in the cage, kind of a bit frightened to come out, even though Jesus has actually opened the door? Are we frightened to use our wings? Are we frightened to soar and be like those eagle Christians in Isaiah 40, 31? Maybe there are two reasons. There might be a lot more. We may not step out into God's kingdom plans for our lives because we have a belief that God really doesn't love us. And we don't believe that he has good things in store for us. Fabulous that the worship team chose he's a good, good father. For some of us, that might actually be really hard to sing because we might not know that he's a good, good father. And it may be that we do lack self-image We don't see God, see ourselves as God sees us. So when we look in the mirror, we actually might be like this ugly duckling. This little ugly duckling's on a journey because he really does believe that he's ugly. He can't be like the other swans. But what he hasn't realized is actually his reflection. He will be a swan. And I think that painting is just so lovely because some of us can be living as an ugly duckling and yet we're beautiful swans in God's eyes we're beautiful swans and if you see swans on the river they are really graceful creatures and they're just beautiful you can't stop looking at them you see we live in a spiritual world and as, John, as Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, that there's a thief about. He, in John 10, describes himself as the good shepherd. A shepherd who will actually lay down his life for his sheep. And he says the thief comes only to steal, steal, to kill and destroy. The thief is the enemy of God. Soon we will be coming up to the 31st of October And the world, including Strictly, which I think is outrageous, will be celebrating darkness. People here in Royal Leamington Spa will be walking around in witches' outfits. Some of them might have devil's pitchforks and things. It's all a bit of a joke. And you can easily get the costumes. But we live in a spiritual world. And the enemy of God is a serious enemy. And this serious enemy, as Paul, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, says, that he prowls around like a hungry lion, ready to devour. And Jesus says that the thief, the enemy of God, has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he says, I have come to give you life, life in all its fullness, in abundance, You see, the enemy of God is a thief. He wants to steal our inheritance that Jesus has won for us on the cross. He wants to kill as much spiritual life as possible within us. And he wants to destroy our relationship with Father God. 
and also with ourself. The enemy of God, the thief, wants to destroy our sense of well-being and peace and put us in a place of thinking we're unlovable. But we're not. But it's possible to be living with that kind of stronghold. And in, in a healing term, a stronghold is an ungodly belief that doesn't fit or match God's character or what he says about us in God's word. It's a stronghold. And it's possible for us, as we look in a mirror, to think, to see that we are unlovable. I'm going to ask uh, Kirsten at this point. can't see you. You must be somewhere. But you're going to come forward. Ah, Kirsten. I've asked Kirsten. Uh, Kirsten is one of the leaders of Flourish, which is a fantastic charity here in Royal Leamington Spa that works with uh, young girls who have poor self-image. But I've asked you um, because you were once in that place, and I don't know whether you can pick up on what I've been saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at the moment, I'm uh, helping to lead a charity along with um, my co-worker, uh, Shar Bevan, who you might know. Uh, some of our trustees are here tonight. Um, and we're working with teenage girls. And a lot of the time, we're working on issues such as identity and image and those kind of things that hold them back from being everything that God has, you know, holding, holding them back from being everything that God wants them to be and everything that God has for them. So, and I think for me personally, this journey into this kind of ministry actually started when I was a teenager and actually growing up in a world, you know, where perfection is everything and anything less than perfection just isn't good enough and makes you feel quite worthless. So for me, at age 16, um, I was very small. I looked very young. Still, I'm small, actually. <laughs> Don't look so young. Still young. <laughs> I'm older than you think. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was very small. I looked about 10 years old, probably when I was 16. It was something that a lot of friends kind of took the mickey out of me for. Um, and also, as I was moving into sixth form, it was a real transition time for me. I'd been at an all-girls school, and we were mixing with boys for the sixth form. It was very exciting because I hadn't talked to boys for like five years. And um, yeah, and just at that moment as we were going to move into sixth form, um, my face decided to break out with quite severe acne. And for me, it was absolutely devastating. Um, and also added to that, I had a best friend who was putting me down constantly. I think maybe she was having her own self-confidence issues. And so she'd try and kind of uplift herself by putting me down. And so I was living under these kind of pressures in my own life. And, um, and the acne really was the last straw. And I remember my confidence was just slowly degrading. And I just began to feel so worthless, like I didn't have any significance or any worth to anybody, to any of my friends. And I remember when it became quite obsessive, the whole image thing, because I remember in the sixth form, you know, every time my lesson was over, I'd be running to the girls' toilets to check out my face. Was my makeup in place? Was every spot still concealed? Um, and sometimes it felt like every half an hour, you know, I was going to check my face in the mirror. But actually, every time I looked in the mirror, all I saw was something horrible. 
You know, all I saw myself was ugly. And actually, that, you know, it was disgusting. Actually, that's, how, that's honestly how I felt. And I felt so worthless when all these wonderful, you know, young women around me who were all parading themselves around looking beautiful, and here was me. And um, so, yeah, gradually my worth was, you know, uh, spiraling downhill uh, quickly. And actually, I began to get a lot of social anxiety. I used to get really afraid of speaking to people, even my friends in groups. And I started to kind of isolate myself uh, from really being who I was. And I started to isolate myself from my friends. Um, but thankfully, at this time, I was also going to a Christian youth group. Now, my parents aren't Christians, uh, but I had got involved in a local church through a youth worker there. And um, they must have been giving messages about, you know, God loves you just as you are. But I couldn't quite believe it. And I remember one night just sitting on my bed, just praying out to God, saying, God, I believe in you. But to me, like, I don't understand. I don't think you can love me. And in my mind's eye, I actually had a picture of a field of sheep. Now, in the field of sheep, all these sheep were all the same. They all look the same. They all behave the same way. There's nothing unique about any individual sheep. They're all the same. So I just prayed to God, God, I just feel like one of these sheep. I feel like one of seven billion people in the world. There is nothing significant about me, nothing special. Why would you love me? And that's kind of when I first in my life actually encountered God. And uh, in that moment, he spoke to me, and um, I knew it was God because it was kind of like mixed up with a huge amount of feeling and passion and deep love. So it wasn't an audible voice, but it was so mixed up with all this feeling and emotion for me. And this voice just said, when I said, God, I just feel like one of seven billion sheep, why would you care for me? And God just spoke and said, you are so much more than that. And I just crumbled. <laughs> and this voice as well, it was like it came from the top of my head right through my body and out through my toes. It was a feeling that rushed through my body. And in that feeling that I knew how much God deeply, deeply loved me and how much he cared for me, how much he had special and unique plans for me that he wanted me to run with, not to be held back by how I feel about myself. So from that day on, and I'm not saying that we don't have, you know, image issues today. We still live in a broken world where image is everything. We daily battle with, you know, the pictures that we see in the media. But actually, I don't let any more kind of image, an issue of image, affect who I'm made to be or what God wants me to do. So from that moment on, I found myself talking to friends again, putting myself out there a bit, being more confident. And I think, you know, that really was probably the birth of Flourish today. Um, I've, you know, done a lot of youth work, which there's no greater judgment seat than sitting in front of young people. <laughs> so if you're not confident, it's a difficult place to be. But actually, my years of youth work have shown me that there's so many young people that struggle are being held back from being everything that God's created them to be because of issues of image and how they see themselves. So I thought, well, no, now's the time I need to step out in that and uh, bring this message of truth to girls in our community. Thank you. So what is Flourish? How, how does it work out? What do you do here in Leamington? Yeah, so um, we've been running for two years. Um, we, we kind of... 
it's a ministry really that is working with girls. We do, we're working in schools and in the community um, and parents and schools refer uh, teenage girls to us. And what we do is we do uh, group courses and we do individual one-to-one mentoring. So at the moment we're actually training up a group of uh, wonderful female mentors, uh, very exciting, who are going to go out and mentor individually some of these girls. Um, and really we just show them their unique worth, we love them, um, and we help to inspire them and show, kind of remove the barriers that are holding them back so that they can really run with their fullest potential. Brilliant. Oh, Kristen. Kirsten, so uh, you'll be around at the end if people want to hear more, and you've probably got some leaflets, have you, that you can share. That's good. <laughs> but thank you so much. I mean, that is just amazing to hear. Yes, thank you. Yes. Well done. Um, so you see for a long time the enemy of God stole from Kirsten and she didn't see herself as Father God and then she met with Father God in an amazing way and it is an amazing way because flourish is happening here and it may be that God is going to use you maybe you are in a uh, metaphorical cage like that little budgie but maybe God is going to use you. He's encouraging you to come out. And we have such an amazing saviour, don't we, in Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself uh, knew particularly what shame was all about. We know um, from the history of those days that when somebody was crucified on the cross, they would have been stripped naked. And we know for a Jewish man, that is appalling. And so Jesus would have been totally naked. He would have known what shame was as he hung on the cross. And it's because we know, don't we? We know why he went to the cross. It's because, as he says in John 14, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And Jesus is the one that has set us free. Um, he did say these words in Luke, but this is from the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, um, Isaiah 61. God has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive, and release from darkness the prisoner. This is our God. He wants us to be light dwellers. He wants us to know God as our Father, and He wants us to be the women that He's created us to be. Psalm 103 says He's redeemed, He redeems our life from the pit, the cage, and He crowns us with love and compassion. Psalm 34 says, those who look to him are radiant, their faces are never covered with shame. That's in Psalm 34, 5. Going back to the ugly duckling painting, I wonder where you are on this scale. Can you uh, look in the mirror and see yourself as beautiful? Maybe you have people in your family who can't do that. Maybe some of your best friends can't do that. This ugly duckling just couldn't see himself in the right light. I wonder if any ungodly soul ties are operating in us. Because God wants to break those strongholds, those ungodly um, strongholds. He doesn't want us to be stuck, say, in the met metaphorical cage. It may be we are, but we have to identify what is that cage how do, we, how do we get into it? 
and just know that the door is actually open. We really are more beautiful than we think. Here's another uh, video and the, the song, it's all about, am I pretty enough? See what happens. No, oh, it's not that one. Uh, that's later. It's the video. <laughs> Do you want to start it again? Do you want me to do anything? No, it's not I Know Your Song. It's the one It's embedded in my presentation. Sorry, ladies. It's a really great song and a really great video. Right. It's not that one. It's... Um, no, it's right at the beginning of my presentation. You need to go... Uh, oh... Just hang around, don't go anywhere. <laughs> we will be coming. This is my whole talk flashing behind you. Um, it's there. That's probably where it goes, Jonathan. Nothing? No, not that I'm one, that's, that's the Dove one, it's the other the one. San Jose Police Department from 1995 to 2011. Not that one. No. I don't think we're going to get it. It's a really good song, and it's a really... Ah, this is it. Yes. Oh, no. It's not. This is it. going to move on. Uh, what a shame. Sorry? Oh, the whole PowerPoint's gone. Oh, okay. I have a little bit more to say. Right. Oh, that's the beginning of my talk. Uh, wanted to go back to where I was. <laughs> That one. Have you got the video? No. Come, um, I'm just going to move on. Right. No. Okay. Uh, it's a fantastic video because it really shows how somebody sees themselves. And this is at the end. And I really like the way they've written beautiful, B-U, brackets, you, to full. And it's really important that we are ourselves. You see, the Son of Man, as Jesus said, oh, this is how God sees you as he has created you. 
And uh, I'm just going to come, just because um, I wasn't going to say it now, but because things went a bit, bit wrong, I'm going to show you what um, your present is tonight. We like to bless you at streams. But this little poster, this ugly duckling with his pack on his back and the swan in the thing, we've made key rings for you. And um, we're going to do a prayer activity. And when you come up, you will be able to receive one of these key rings. And we really want you to remember that you're not an ugly duckling. You are a beautiful swan. And God sees you. And he wants you to have freedom to glide up the rivers of life, giving joy to those people around you. You see, the enemy of God has stolen from us, but Jesus Christ has come. And he says in Luke 9, 56, <clears throat> the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them, and that's sozo. And often with Greek words, um, the Greek word is so much bigger than um, the English word. And sozo actually means that Jesus has come to forgive our sins, to heal us of disease, and also to deliver us from torment. And some of us can be tormented by shame, unworthiness, not feeling good enough. Very briefly, um, emotional healing. How is a wound healing, healed? Because if we feel unworthy, we have shame. That means we have a wound inside. And it's really about letting out the pain. It's letting off those who hurt us. And maybe some forgiveness work needs to be done. It's letting go of resentment and perhaps a sense of injustice. It's letting in Jesus into that very deep, hurting place. And it's letting in new beliefs and to renew our mind. I love that verb, uh, verse in Proverbs 23, 7. Uh, I've slightly changed it because I've added woman, but as a woman thinketh in her heart, so she is. And it's really important that we think about ourselves as God thinks about us. So going back to the ugly duckling, that's the challenge for us tonight. God sees us as we really are, but do we see us as he sees us? That's the question, and it's a very personal question. None of us, um, only us can, um, ourselves can answer it. Now, Jonathan, can I play the I Know You song or not? Is that going to work? because this will be the end of my presentation. So God knows us by name. There's a lovely verse in Isaiah which says that uh, our name is literally written on the palms of his hands. So if we have the music, I'm going to attempt. Shall I move the sl slides from here, Jonathan? Can it go on? Okay, so David, if we have the song... It's great having David and Jonathan with us. Thank you so much. The only two men here. That's it. Great. Who is the you? 